Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by host of Sports Illustrated, Ashley Nicole Moss. Ashley talks about letting your skill set speak for itself, not losing sight of who you are, and remembering that interviews are about the subject, not the interviewer. She also shares the genesis of Laces Out while we bond over a love of sneakers, and she reveals the NBA player who made her fall in love with the game. You are going to love this episode, so let's get to it. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. I have been very excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Let's do this. Let's do it. So let's start how I ask everyone to start. Taking us through your professional journey to this point, please. Ooh, okay. Um, it's It's <laughs> been a long, unconventional one. So for me, you know, in college, I started at SFL um, TV, which is an affiliate of the CW down in Miami. And it was covering entertainment, um, local stuff, mostly nothing, you know, extravagant and things like that. But it was a really good opportunity to be in front of ca- in front of the camera and then also learning kind of the behind the scenes things in terms of production and and um, being able to utilize a camera and all that good stuff. So um, that was a really cool experience. I actually got in front of the camera a lot sooner than I think the internship intended because my boss mm-hmm. at the time had to step away for some personal reasons and they needed someone to fill the void. You know, it was a very small group of people, a small staff. And they said, can you do this? And I said, sure. And it was just like a sink or swim type of movement. It was a really cool experience. And it was my first time being on television um, locally. And all my friends would be like, oh my God, I saw you on TV. And it was a cool <laughs> little ego thing, but more so it was a um, really cool learning experience. And then from there, I went to NBC And at NBC um, 6, also down in Miami, I started a youth football, working on a youth football series. And that was my first opportunity to be on a channel like NBC covering sports. Obviously, it was a much smaller um, show than some of the bigger shows that NBC is known for. And I didn't always get paid, (laughs) but it was, again, another learning experience about being on the field, interviewing coaches, um, post-game, pre-game, doing studio stuff. And it's actually funny because that show um, is like a little sorority of women in sports because Joy Taylor happened to work on that show Mm -hmm. at one point. Um, MJ, who's now oh. on the NFL Network, she worked in that show at one point. MJ's My- a, a very close friend because uh, yes. she was the NFL Network's Niner, Niner person, and she was one of our earliest guests on Get My Job. Yeah, so she's <laughs> she's an alum of Generation Next, which is the show that we were on, and also my girl Amina out in um, Boston on NBC right now. She was part of that show as well. So it's a cute little sorority of us who've gone on Love to do that. bigger things. And then from there, I ended up at iHeartRadio and covering sports for Miami mostly, but also national topics as well. And I was in radio for about a year and a half before um, the opportunity with Sports Illustrated happened. And here I am now. Fantastic. And I want to go back a little bit to what you said about the sorority of women who worked on that show, which is pretty incredible. And I, I want to highlight that because I think it's very important for people to understand this stuff doesn't happen overnight and people have to put in the time and their dues. And I imagine for everybody, and I remember MJ talking about it on this show, you learn so much doing that. That is yeah. just in, invaluable reps. 
Yeah, I mean, it's also, it, they're invaluable also because you don't have as many eyes on you as you do mm-hmm. once you get to the bigger networks, right? And I think a lot of the times when you're coming out of college, you you want to go into the big pond right away and you, you know, you don't care about how you get there or what the experience is like. You just want to be there. And I think for me, what I found is being in the smaller ponds and, and being a quote unquote bigger fish in those ponds is you also give yourself a lot of room to make mistakes, right? You give mm-hmm. yourself a lot of room to get reps and they're probably not your best reps. I look back at some of my clips from that time in my life and I'm like, oh, these are horrendous. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is bad. But you make those mistakes and it's it's a level of comfort to be able to make them and not have, you know, the glaring eyes of such a massive audience staring at you because it is such a smaller space. But she's absolutely right. The reps are are priceless and it definitely helped a lot for sure. So you get to Sports Illustrated and Mm -hmm. what was the transition like there? It was pretty easy. So the funny thing is I actually um, started on at Sports Illustrated rather, and it was really a way for me to kind of use their platform to my advantage. So little backstory is during the pandemic when Clubhouse was like reigning supreme and we were (laughs) throwing all those little virtual mixers and stuff. (laughs) My producer now was actually in one of those rooms and said, hey, you know, Sports Illustrated is looking to hire some people. Um, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I ended up connecting with him and I said, Hey, look, how can I kind of get my resume and my reel and stuff, you know, into the hands of the people who do the hiring. And they technically weren't hiring for a host position. They already had someone who was there filling that spot. She was actually away on leave. So they needed someone to kind of help, you know, do videos and stuff like that. So I offered up my services as a way to kind of help expand my platform. And, you know, I wasn't getting paid for it. A lot of people don't know. I was doing this just off the strength of like, okay, I'm going to use this opportunity in my advantage and did that for about a month and kind of showed them everything that I can do and said, hey, look, if you guys want to continue to utilize me, going to need some money. Like Mm -hmm, we can't mm -hmm. do this for free forever. So from there, I actually started at SI as a contractor. So when Laces Out started, I wasn't actually employed by them full time. A lot of people don't know this. It wasn't until September 1st when I actually became a full time employee. And now this is where I am. But the opportunity started as like they have a platform. I can utilize I can utilize that platform. And this is how I'm going to do it. But it started off the free 99. And sometimes that's how you got to do it. Well, so a couple things to unpack there. How difficult was it to have the conversation? Because it's obviously a very important conversation because you can't be working for free forever. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's not fair to you and, and all of these things. How difficult was it, though, to approach that conversation? Because I think a lot of people find those conversations hard, whether it's I need to start getting paid or I believe I deserve a raise, whatever it is. So if you could just kind of talk us through that. It's definitely, I guess, nerve wracking whenever you have those conversations, right? Because you're talking about money and you're talking about opportunities. And I think a lot of people, you know, rightfully so get a little concerned, like, okay, well, if I press them for money, what if I lose the opportunity because they don't want to pay me? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a firm believer in like, you let you you let your skill set speak for itself. So I had already given them a whole month of my resume, but in real time, right? They saw Mm -hmm. that I could interview. They saw that I can do debate style things. They saw that I could host. And they had a whole month worth of content and also analytics from that content to show how it did once it's pushed out there into the world. And I was confident in my skill set. And I was confident that if 
they didn't go ahead and capitalize off of that. Somebody else would. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, eventually somebody did. And once there's competition in, in the works, it kind of lights a fire under certain companies and certain people in general and saying, okay, you know what? We cannot lose this girl to X, Y, and Z. We mm-hmm. got to go ahead and make a counter offer. And that's ultimately what happened. I ended up having another offer on the table. And I said, hey, look, this is the offer that's on the table. If you guys, you know, can't put a ring on my finger, (laughs) you know, I got to go with the man who's willing to commit and propose. And ultimately, I got a ring from them. So here I am. That's fantastic. So you mentioned Laces Out. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to talk about the genesis of it. It's such a fun show. uh, And it's just such a part of, you know, so much that's going on today. So if you kind of talk the genesis of it and kind of maybe some of the most rewarding and most challenging parts of doing it. So Lace is out. I mean, it started off as a conversation. And mind you, we're still we were still in the very, very midst of a pandemic when this came out. And I felt like a lot of people were missing the fun aspect of sports. Everything was so mm-hmm. heavy between, you know, the riots and and you know, the pandemic and just everything in between. It was sports was heavy and it wasn't as fun as it normally is. And at the end of the day, you know, there's serious topics within sports, but sports is, you know, all about games and and fun and excitement and you know, in a space where we were missing out on that, we wanted to create a show that kind of took three shows and kind of brought them into a hybrid. So I like to say it's a combination of sneaker shopping meets MTV Cribs meets real time, you know, on HBO, because you still get that substantial feature aspect. You get Mm -hmm. an inside look at your athletes, whether they're at home, their favorite restaurant, you know, a training facility that they frequent at their neighborhood. And also you get to look at sneakers, which is a huge mm-hmm. part of sports. And and that those two worlds being intertwined with one another is is just where we are right now in the modern way um, sports is kind of constructed. And for me, listen, it was a very small team that worked on Laces Out. And usually when you get a show and it's up and running and, you know, it's the first time, that's normally the case. It's a very small squad of guys, you know, working on it and women working on it. And, um, you know, that was challenging because, you know, you're going ahead and you're doing all these logistical things by yourself and just a small group. But it worked out because in its first season, two episodes in, we got a sponsorship from the NBA, which was huge. Amazing. And um, yeah, it succeeded even our wildest expectations for sure. That is fantastic. So obviously you were talking about hosting and how you've done interviewing, everything that you've done. How do you prepare accordingly for each of these different hats? I think it's knowing exactly, you know, what is going to be asked of you, right? In terms of hosting, you have to come to the realization that it's not really about you when you're hosting Mm -hmm. something, you know, it's about the subjects. It's about, you know, the conversation that's going to be had. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to go ahead and I hate to say it aloud because it's a free country, but (laughs) in that, in that setup, you can give, you know, your ideas and your opinions, but at the end of the day, it's not about you. When you are on the other side of that and somebody else is hosting, then you're, you know, you have more free range to kind of give your opinions and your thoughts and kind of hijack the conversation, if you will. And I think, you know, when interviewing, you have to realize that, again, it's not about you. It's about the subject and you want to go ahead and have an authentic, vulnerable conversation that, you know, a lot of the times athletes are not you know, the most excited about having um, or doing interviews because it's kind of mundane for them. A lot of the same conversations, the same questions, and you really want to figure out what's going to make your interview stand out and what's going to make it different and what's going to make somebody want to talk to you. And those are kind of the three things that I, I'm always thinking about whenever I, I get into that situation. So stand out different and what makes the 
athlete wants to talk to you yeah. or the person you're interviewing wants to talk to. I just, I wanted to repeat them because in case anybody wanted to write them down, I think those are three very, very important. <laughs> yeah, write them down, write them write down. Write them down. Those should be, they should be on a checklist. Um, Kind of along those lines, what tips do you have for young reporters for doing those things and for building relationships in a way that do make people want to talk to you? My thing is just authenticity. I think, you know, for a long time, and, you know, this is something that I think a lot of women fall into, me included, is that, you know, when you're coming into this industry, you're almost told, whether directly or indirectly, that you have to fit into a box in order to be successful, right? You have to look a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to report a certain way. And it makes you kind of lose your identity. It makes you lose what makes you different. It makes you Mm -hmm. lose what makes you unique. And I think the older that I got, especially probably when I got into radio is really when I kind of made this transition and like a light switch went off in my head. And I said, look, who I am is who I am and who I am has gotten me this far. So why am I pretending to be somebody else? Why am I pretending to talk a certain type of way? Why am I trying to pretend like I'm not from, you know, a certain place? Why am I trying to pretend I don't have certain opinions? And I think when I really harnessed that energy and I really tapped into just living in that authenticity I gathered and I gained more of a following and more support because there's nobody out there currently like you. And that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, people need to remember is there's only one Ashley Nicole Moss. There's only one, you know, whatever your name is, fill in the blank. And that's what's going to set you apart. And that's going to, that's also what's going to make you stand out in terms of interviews. When I sit down with guys and, and, and women and I interview them, You know, there's a lot of similarities there, whether it's the walk of life, whether it's an area that we're from. And when you live in your authentic self, you can tap into that because you're really being who you truly are. And people are drawn to that, I find. I I find that when people, you know, feel that the person they're sitting with is authentic and their guards are down and they're vulnerable as well, even from an asking question standpoint, they're more um, inclined to want to open up themselves and, and have an honest dialogue and conversation. Kind of along those lines, and this may be the answer to that question, but is there a misstep you're seeing women make when they're trying to break into the sports entertainment industry? And it could be that they're you know, trying to, to follow in footsteps and be someone else, but it also could be something else. So I'm just curious on your thoughts. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. I think that, you know, women are trying, young women getting into the industry are trying to follow a blueprint that's already been set up and, and developed by somebody else. And look, I've taken parts of, you know, my style from certain people. You know, you look at people that you idolize. For example, for me, my interviewing style is very similar to Erin Andrews. She was one of my, you know, inspirations when it came to interviewing. Um, My analytical mind comes from Doris Burke. I'm extremely just in awe every time that she, you know, covers in game and Michelle Tafoya, I'm, you know, the way she just works the sidelines on, you know, on the fly and things like, I mean, there's pieces of women in the industry that you can take things from, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But taking things and, and making them into your own style is different than trying to copy it. And I think that is, you know, the common misstep is that people think, young women think, because this is what has worked, that this is the only thing that will work. And that's not the case. You know, there's, there's multiple ways to make bread. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a saying, but I just made it up. You know, you well, can there are, go- <laughs> but it's true. It may not be a saying, but it should be because it's very yeah, true. Yeah, like you can go ways. ahead and, and, you know, tweak the recipe however you want. And at the end of the day, there will still be bread coming out of the oven. So <laughs> I kind of tell women like, take 
pieces of people that you enjoy and that you idolize and you really like what they have done, but be you. You know, we already have an Aaron Andrews. We already have a Carrie Champion. We already have, um, you know, a Michelle Tafoya, but we don't have you yet. And that's mm-hmm. what we're missing. And that's what you should tap into. What is a criticism that you received early on that was difficult to take? And I ask everyone this, and I, mm-hmm. I always preface that difficult to take, but help to shape you. And I also like to give this caveat too. It could have been a piece of constructive criticism that was just like, oh, that's hard to hear, but I get it. Or it could have been completely unfounded, ridiculous criticism, and it taught you who you should listen to in kind of an inner confidence. Ooh, I feel like the criticism that I got early in my career, and this is always hard because you're a young woman, you're trying to figure out who you are, not Mm -hmm. only in your career, but as a woman, right? You're trying to tap into your sexuality. You're trying to figure out like, you know, your body and all sorts, and you're going through those motions, you know, that young women in their early twenties go through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be comment, to have comments a lot of the time for me, at least it was, you know, on my looks and, you know, being a pretty face and just a pretty face and things like that. It made me, you know, um, question if that were a reality, you know, coming Mm -hmm. from a world where, you know, I did model and things like that, you know, you're judged on your looks, right? So Mm -hmm. then when you go into a space where it shouldn't be about your looks, but somehow it's the conversations coming up again, it definitely makes you question, you know, if this is something that you should be doing. But I think for me, what I took that as was, I just have to make sure that any situation that I go into, I am so prepared and I am so knowledgeable and I am so well-versed and I am so well-articulated that, yeah, you know what? They can say, oh, she's pretty, but damn, is she smart? Mm -hmm. Or damn, does she know what she's talking about? Or damn, is she prepared? It took that kind of constant criticism for me to be like, I can't go into something and half-ass it. I can't go into something and just kind of be okay with being just okay. I have to be great every single time because there's so many people who are going to look at me and say, oh, she's just a pretty face. That's why she's here. And it was combat combating that narrative all the time that really made me go ahead and, and do the work. And the reality is there are so many pretty faces Absolutely. That if you're not great, and you're not super prepared and super on top of your game, you'll be replaced in a second because there's always another pretty face. Absolutely. And, and I hate when, you know, the trolls on Twitter and, and men talk about, oh, you got this job because you're pretty or she got this job because she's pretty. Or mm-hmm. If that were the case, every supermodel from here to Timbuktu would be working in the sports field. But Mm -hmm. that's not the case because yes, there are a lot of beautiful women that work in this industry, but you also have to be extremely good at your job to continue to work in this industry. I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't places where looks have, you know, worked in the advantage of certain people. That would be an unrealistic statement to make. Yes, we live in a society, especially when you're in front of a camera, that, you know, if you are attractive it helps, but that's not what keeps you there. So I hate this narrative. Oh, you got the job that could be because you were pretty. No, that's maybe a reason that it kind of helped me to get into the door, but it's not why I'm there. And it's not why I'm going to continue to stay there. So it's like a weird conversation that men kind of, or a narrative that men push to kind of discredit women in the industry as if in 2021, almost 2022, the idea of a woman being sexy and smart is just like unfathomable. It, or unfathomable. It's honestly ridiculous. Like, I can't. Well, and I think it goes to a lot of men are very threatened by 
women in sports, women who know sports, women who oftentimes may know more than they do. Mm. So there has to be an excuse as to why you're in the position. I remember before I worked in sports, I worked in politics and someone made a comment like on a, there was an article about me getting a promotion and on the comment, someone said, well, she's just there for decoration. And I was so offended. But then I thought, well, that person is obviously just bitter. Maybe they wanted the job. (laughs) I don't know, but that's, and it's a thing, but uh, I, it comes from a place of insecurity, comes from a place of being threatened. And um, it is ridiculous because as we said, there, there are a lot of pretty faces. If you don't do your job well, you're not going to last. Exactly. If you could give our listeners one piece of advice for getting involved in this field, what would it be? Ooh, so many good pieces of advice. Um, I think one thing that I wish I would have been better at when I was younger, first getting into the industry is not losing sight of who I am. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that when you're getting so many different types of advice and you're getting so many different directions and you're getting so many, you know, different types of answers on what the right way to do something is, what the wrong way to do something is, it kind of messes with you a little bit, right? It makes you feel like, okay, should I be doing it this way? Should I not be doing it this way? And there are a lot of people who are going to want to, um, you know, try to get into your head, you know, especially in the social media age that we live in, it's easier than ever for people to contact you and to tell you that you're terrible at what you're doing or Mm -hmm. that you shouldn't be in the position that you should be in, or you shouldn't get the job that you've just gotten, or you're just a pretty face. And there's, there's so many things that are surrounding you that will make you question who you are and make you question if you deserve to be in the space that you're in. So I would say to just have a strong sense of self, as cliche as that may be, you know, just know and just really know and hold on to the fact you know who you are and you know you're not a perfect person, but you're a worthy person. And there's nobody that can take your journey from you and there's nobody can that can take, you know, your hard work from you and the things that will happen in the future for you, nobody can take those from you either. And I think when you know that um you're secure in that, it kind of helps you to deal with all the just ugliness that can be surrounded by you in this industry for sure. Have you had a mentor or mentors? Because I think it's obviously possible to have multiple mentors for different things uh, in your career that you can kind of turn to with these questions? Um, I've had a few mentors. I like to, you know, Michael Smith, formerly of ESPN, now on NBC as a mentor. Um, Nate Burleson, who's now on CBS This Morning, used to be on Good Morning Football, um, is a really good mentor to me as well. Those guys I can reach out to and, you know, get great advice from. Joy Taylor is a really good friend. And, you know, I love the way that she kind of is just unapologetic about who she is and what she says. And, you know, that's somebody I've always looked up to from a distance. But now that, you know, we've been able to connect and and get to know one another, um, it's just proven to be every she's just proven to be everything of why I idolized her, you know, years ago before I even knew her. She just is everything that I feel like women in the industry should be and just unapologetically themselves. And I respect all women who move like that. Um, Yeah. So I would say, I mean, and then again, like, you know, I'm also the names that aren't the biggest, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I find mentorship from producers. I ask them questions like, Hey, what does this mean? Or what does this Mm -hmm. do? And I think that, you know, it's nice to have mentors who do the same thing as you, but I think it's also cool to have quote unquote mentors or just people that you can ask questions to from different aspects of this industry, whether it's from an editing standpoint or a production standpoint, 
because it just automatically, all of it just makes you more well-rounded and well-versed in this, in this field for sure. How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in our industry and how can we still improve? Wow. Um, you know, I think it's cool the, the, the age that we live in, in this, in the sports world, because it's so social media heavy that I think that more than ever before women are able to kind of take their own narrative into their own hands, right? They can go ahead and showcase the type of work that they want um, people to see, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a vlog series, whether, you know, it's IG live that you do weekly or daily. And, you know, women are, are able to take their career and their character and their, you know, like I said, narrative into their own hands and be in control of it. And I think that that's something that we've never seen before. And I think because of that, you have more women living authentically as themselves in this career field. And I think that companies are appreciating that more than ever because you're seeing, you know, what people can do on their own and you're seeing that level of work and you're seeing that level of attention that they're garnering, you know, on their own. And you want to have that, have that as part of your company. That's an attribute. And I think that it's helping us to see women in more, you know, opportunities within the sports field than ever before. And I, I love it. I think that women have a place in this industry. I think women deserve to be in this industry. I think women have a voice that needs to be heard. I think that we need to stop, you know, trying to put women in these conventional boxes that have existed in this field for so long. You can have a debate show where it's a man being the moderator and two women going back and forth. They're mm -hmm. just as knowledgeable, if not more knowledgeable. We don't have to have one token woman as the host on an entire men um, show. We can have mixture. You know, I want to see women of color. I want to see women from different walks of life. I think there's so women are so multidimensional and they have so much to offer. And I think that we're heading in the right direction in utilizing that skill set. I have a question that is just simply a fun question. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously we talked about laces out. Are you a sneakerhead? How many pairs of sneakers do you have? Oh my gosh. I am a huge sneakerhead. It's, it's bad. It's, it's like, I have to go on break sometimes where I say <laughs> to myself, okay, Ashley, you know what? You're not going to buy sneakers for the month of October or the month of November. Cause it's, it's that bad. Like I'll see something and I'll be like, okay, I really need it. And then like the angel on, and devil on my shoulder go back and forth. And it's like, do you really need it? You could possibly save that money. And the devil's like, do it, do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the story yeah, of my life. Yeah. It's bad. It's, it's, I, I, overall just have a shopping problem, but sneakers is, I feel is that. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> I probably have like, I want to say, oh my gosh, my, my mom hears that she's going to kill me like 60 pairs. It's bad. No, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I get and it. it's growing. It's growing continuously. Like it's bad. Yeah. And I have no, um, you know, I have no desire to stop, which makes it even worse <laughs> because I have no desire to get help. Well, I can, I can under, I can understand that. And I, and I get it. And I have the same issue when it comes to shoes, generally sneakers, sneakers are becoming like the last couple of years have become a little bit more of a new thing for me, even mm -hmm. pre COVID. It's not just that like, Oh, I'm not in heels pre COVID. I would say I started being like, no, I really, I like sneakers. I have, um, on game day, I have my shoes that I wear on the field and in the post game press conferences. And then I have my press box shoes and my press box shoes are always some cute pair of sneakers. Yeah. That's, like that's my jam. Uh, so I get it and I feel it. And I wanted to ask because I knew it would make me feel 
like I had a friend. So thank you. <laughs> You're very listening. <laughs> if you ever need a friend to tell you to buy that shoe or to, the, that bag or what, I am that friend. I am not the friend that tells you to save money. Buy it. You only live once. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm that friend too. My friend, my friend's like, You're so not helpful. I'm like, you knew yep. who you were coming to. Exactly. You, you know, know what it was by when your you signed side. up. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So could you kind of, maybe along those lines, maybe not, uh, but I have a feeling this is going to be great. Could you take us through a day in the life of Ashley Nicole? Oh, it depends on the day. That's how hectic life can be sometimes. You can pick it. You can also, if you want to do a couple different days, you do you. <sighs> okay. So normally, um, like for example, Tuesdays, Tuesdays are pretty hectic for me. Um, wake up, we have a lot of pre-production, just pre-meetings with SI for the day, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to post, what's trending, what's worth talking about, things like that. Whatever we decide on, it's filming. It's going through that. Um, we usually have a social media meeting that we just, again, kind of figure out what we're going to put out on social, things like that. I have my Certified Buckets podcast that I do weekly, three to five. So it's prepping for that. Um, if it's a game day, then I do Knicks fan TV at night following a Knicks game. Mm -hmm. If I have to be on NBC as a contributor, then um, that also is in between the time of filming certified buckets and a pre-Nix game. I try to find time to work out, which is very important to me. Um, and on the contrary, sometimes I forget to eat, which is not good when you're working out as often I do that. as I do. Yeah. It happens to me too. You and I are very similar. In a lot I of absolutely <laughs> love when people... This is on the note of not eating, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I absolutely love when people will be like, you didn't text me back. Well, if it makes you feel better, I didn't eat today either. So it's not like you're at the bottom of my priority list. I'm just kind of all over the place today. So have you seen that meme? Sorry to interrupt, but I think you'll appreciate it. There's a meme that says, I either respond in 0.2 seconds or three to five business days. Oh my gosh. That is I am me. notorious. <laughs> I have DMs. First of all, let me tell everybody listening to this. If it's important, do not DM me. Send me an email. If you have my phone number, text me because mm -hmm. DMs can sit in my inbox for a week, if not longer. I am... I am absolutely terrible at it. And the funny thing is when I was younger, I used to be like, you know, when dating guys and things like that, I'd be like, oh my gosh, he's taking forever to text me back. What's his problem? I'm going to ignore him when he does. I never understood, you know, the concept of being that busy that right. you couldn't answer your phone. And now that I'm on the other side of that conversation, I completely get it. I apologize to all the men who I may have cursed out in the past because <laughs> of it, <laughs> because I get it now. Someone said that to me once, like uh, about someone that I heard from that I was interested in. And I was like, oh, I thought that he got it. I didn't hadn't heard from him a couple weeks. And I remember her saying, no, no, people are busy. Like that is a real thing. People it's a are busy. real so thing. So don't. <laughs> so I think this is, we've now turned this into some dating advice too, but yeah. I think it was valuable. Yeah. Just listen, when they tell you that they're busy, there may be a possibility he's <laughs> actually really busy. Like just, just, just put that into perspective. That's all. Yes, exactly. That's, that's totally fair. Um, this is awesome. I've had, I've had such a good time talking to you. Uh, and of course I can't let you go before five fun facts and our listeners, I'm sure sick of me hearing this, but, um, this is something I started with the 49ers players and we do it like on video one-on-one -on -one, and they share stuff with them. You know, they share stuff that you wouldn't necessarily know about them. But what we've done on the show is that everybody gets the same five questions, which has been awesome because we get such different answers every single week. Uh, so it's really fun. Hence, fun facts. So, without, <laughs> so we're very, very uh, clear in our message here. Uh, so without further ado... 
five fun facts with Ashley Nicole Moss. Ashley, what is your favorite moment in sports? Ooh, there's so many. Um, the one that comes off the top of my head, though, is obviously the first playoff game in Madison Square Garden after eight long years of a drought. Listen, I've been a Knicks fan all of my life. Mm. The energy in the garden was absolutely unreal. Knicks fans are crazy, but they're loyal. And there's no energy quite like New York energy. Um, It was hectic, obviously, you know, it was just that one game and and that was it for us. But (laughs) it was, it was You got to start somewhere, you know? You got to start somewhere, exactly. It definitely um, was a time. An honorable mention for me, Kobe Bryant's last game in the Staples Mm. Center. Um, I grew up with Kobe Bryant watching him play, like I'm sure many basketball fans did. He's the reason I fell in love with the game. Um, watching that final game, I, I'm not a highly emotional person, um, but I remember shedding tears watching that happen and watching that unfold. And it was, it was something like I've never seen. And, and to be able to witness that from a player who I actually got to see win multiple championships and, and, you know, go from, you know, this high school kids to just this world phenomenon to be able to witness like his full circle and, and seeing that career come to a close was special because, you know, you hear about stories like that. You know, you hear about, you know, our parents with Michael Jordan and and Magic and some of the other, you know, iconic basketball players to be able to be in that position for my own um, self and, and to be able to tell that story one day to my kids. Like I remember Kobe Bryant's entire career and when it mm-hmm. ended and it was definitely special and rest in peace, rest in peace to the black Mamba. Cause we definitely miss him for sure. Yes, we do. I still, still don't think it's real. Yeah. It's on, it's, it's absolutely unbearable sometimes and just unreal. Yeah. What is your life motto? Oh, so many, but I think one of my favorites has been my favorite for a long time is, um, star Wars and, and Yoda says do or do not, there is no try. And, um, I live by that because I'm a firm believer. Like you either do something or you don't do it. There's no middle. And I think, you know, I get this from my dad. He's very black or white. You know, there's really no gray area for him for a lot of things. And, I know in life, you know, there's gray area when it comes to dealing with relationships and people. And sometimes we ignore that whole black and white ideology. But when it comes to work and when it comes to putting in the work, I'm a firm believer is either you do it or you don't do it. Whether Mm -hmm. that's, you know, in the gym, whether that's, you know, in your career, whether that's in whatever it is that you put your mind to, it's either do it or don't do it. There is no try when it comes to certain things. And I think that's, it's a really important motto to have, especially in a field like this that can get so draining. It can get so um, just overwhelming sometimes. And and you can question whether or not you're in a space to conducively, um, you know, just continue to grow. It's just got to remember, you got to do it or you don't do it. And whatever happens, happens, but you can't try and just, you know, say, oh, well, I tried. No, you do it or you don't. Simple as that. What is your go-to workout on the days that you are able to eat? Of course. <laughs> I actually, right? Very important fact. <laughs> Very important aspect. I love a good HIIT workout. You know, I'm a, okay. I, I train lower body a lot, like I'm sure most girls do. Um, but I do love a good HIIT workout that kind of is just full body and, you know, very high intensity and, and is... Um, different. I, one thing about me is in the gym, I can't be bored because I lose focus. That's why I hate running the treadmill. Cause I'm like, okay, I've been looking at the same wall for like 15 minutes. I don't want to do this anymore. I like Mm -hmm. to be excited in my workouts. I like to have new things thrown my way. I like to be challenged and I feel like hit because you're going against the clock and it's, it's different workouts all in one workout. It definitely meets that criteria for me. 
What is your go-to coffee order? Ooh, I love a chai tea latte with oat milk. Um, it has a little bit of cinnamon on top of it, which I really love. Or maybe it's nutmeg. I'm not quite sure. It's one of those, you know, could brown seasonings. Yeah, it could be a combo. But I just love that drink. It's so soothing to me. Um, it just it's warm. It's you know, it's just very relaxing. It gets my day started just in the right space, the right headspace. I feel very namaste when I'm drinking it and then the day starts and the namaste goes away. But for that little moment in time where I'm drinking my chai tea latte, all is good and peaceful in the world. And I love that. I, uh, I love, I love the ritual of like making my coffee in the morning. And if it's like, a, like on a love a morning where I can make my coffee and then get in bed and drink it, that's like such a treat because then <sighs> the rest of the day is just, of course, insanity. But I get that, that namaste feeling of like, oh, this is yeah. how I start. And then I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day. It's, it's and being able to take that deep breath, mm-hmm. you know? It's 100% yeah. what it is. And then a book every woman should read. Ooh, so many. But one of my personal favorites, and, and the reasoning will make sense once I get the title out, is Why Men Love Bitches. And let me tell you why oh, you I should know read this book. book. It's so good. Yes. This is not a book you should read because, you know, from a relationship standpoint, because you're trying to impress a man. And that's not why I'm saying women should read this book. I'm saying women should read this book because it gives you the tools needed and just the insight of not being afraid to be a powerful woman Mm -hmm. and not being afraid to be unapologetically yourself. And if that, you know, falls into a relationship for you, great. But for me, I read that book and I took away from it. This is how I can be in my everyday life with or without a relationship, a partner, you know, a man, a woman, you know, whatever the case may be, this is how I can just move, maneuver through my everyday life to hold on to my sanity, to, to preserve my peace and to also be powerful and be a woman who's not afraid to, you know, kick ass and take names. And that's what I got from that book. And I think that all women should read it to be able to tap into that inner you know, lioness that I think every woman has in them and be okay with unleashing that and living in that and walking in that. And that is why that's a book that I oftentimes recommend to all women. Um, it's it's a guideline for everything that I just mentioned. It's a, it's a great book. I yeah. read it a while ago. It is a great book and a great recommendation. Ashley, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm glad I can join the sorority of women who've been on this podcast it's an honor. absolutely welcome to fangirl nation we're very happy to have you <laughs> um if you yeah. guys like what you heard and i know that you did please make sure to leave us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us on instagram at fangirl sports network talk to everybody next week bye all thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.